0: Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, we're going to be reading a a few verses of scripture, Luke chapter 17. You know, hopefully, if the fire alarm went off in this building, you would all know what to do, hopefully. Um, Dare I say, most of us have been in a situation where you've heard the fire alarm go and you knew exactly what to do. It's been drilled in us, so we know what to do. I remember a time where I was um, uh, in my workplace uh, uh, some years ago, and we was in a meeting. Um, you know, we, everything is done by meetings these days in corporations and such. We're, we're sitting around the, the boardroom or, or sitting around the meeting room table and going on as normal, and the fire alarm went off. And it wasn't a drill. The, the, the drills happened on a specific day, a specific time. This wasn't a drill. The fire alarm went off. Um, and it wasn't one of those, you know, it was an actual something, some smoke set the fire alarm off. And here we are in this meeting and we stop our meeting uh, um, and we get ready to go out uh, uh, of the building. Uh, but I was in a meeting room. my belongings and such was in my office. So as everyone is going out and so on, uh, I'm trying to slip back into my office to get my stuff, now, as I do that, uh, one of the fire wardens uh, sees me and sees what I'm doing, and, and he gets all vexed and says, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm getting my stuff. I, 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 and then In those days, I had a few devices with me. I had a, a, my phone with me. I just got a new phone. I had my phone in my bag. I think my iPad was in my bag, my car keys. Come on now. I'm like, listen, I'm getting my stuff. Now, for those of you that know the drill when it comes to fire drills, One of the most important rules is forget your stuff. Because how many know when a building is on fire, when this stuff is burning down, that stuff doesn't mean anything. Can you imagine me died and trying to get my car? (laughs) Died trying to get my new iPad. Burnt to a crisp because I wanted to get my car. And we have to understand, that's why the the, the fire warden was raising his voice and so on. One of the main principles is uh, uh, don't uh, uh, go for your belongings, just leave your belongings because your life is more valuable uh, than uh, your belongings. Well, church, I'm saying that because in this day and age right now, we're living in an interesting time period. We're living in an interesting time where the signs of the times are very, very clear. We're seeing things we've never seen before. We're doing things we've never done before. There's many atrocities that are happening in life. There's many uh, things, natural disasters that are getting worse and so on. Uh, Listen, just like the evacuation of that office, uh, I believe right now the fire alarm is sounding. In the life that we're living in, the fire alarm is ringing in this world. And as it rings, are we going to be concerned about getting out or are you going to be concerned about our belongings? I want to preach a sermon that been titled this morning, Remembering Lot's Wife. Remembering Lot's Wife, verse in, in chapter Luke 17. Uh, sorry, the book of Luke, chapter 17. We're going to read a couple of verses of scriptures And we're going to remember Lot's wife. In verse number 26 of our our text, the Bible says that, "And As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And in that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not go down to take them away. Likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Verse number 32 of our text, the Bible says, or Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Verse 33, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I want to start really as I talk about this sermon entitled, Remembering Lot's Wife. My first point today is, who was Lot's wife? You see, this portion of Scripture is very interesting because Jesus is telling us to remember. He's telling his disciples specifically, but it's also recorded for all of us to see. And he's telling us today, this morning, that we are to remember a woman that is actually we know little about. He's saying we should remember this woman. She is only mentioned three times in the entire Bible. And our Scripture is one of those times. So before this, she gets two whole mentions in the entire 66th love letter that God wrote to his children. He's saying we should remember this woman that we actually know very little about, but Jesus found it necessary to say that she needs to be remembered. He told his disciples she needed to be remembered. He's telling you and I uh, that this woman needs to remember. So I want to begin by painting a picture of Lot's wife uh, so we can indeed uh, remember her. And to do that, we need to go obviously back into the account of Lot and Abraham. And that is back in the book of Genesis, where the account is recorded for all of us to take heed. In Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham, the father of our faith, and he gave him a promise. And he said these words, he says, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. God, God reveals himself to Abraham, the father of our faith, and he gives him this challenge. And the Bible lets us know that Abraham believed God and he went. And the Bible says he took his brother's son with him, Lot, his nephew, and he went. He left the place. Was Lot already married to his wife? We don't know. Bible lets us know that they passed through Canaan and then they passed through Egypt. Maybe Lot met his wife in Canaan. She was a Canaanite maybe. Or maybe he met her in Egypt. She was an Egyptian. We don't know. The Bible doesn't let us know. Then we get to a point where the Bible describes how Lot and Abraham couldn't live together anymore because their herds and their flocks grew so much that the land where they were could not support them. So they had to split and Lot lifted up his eyes and looked at the plains of Jordan and saw as far as Sodom and said listen I 'm going to go live in the plains of Jordan took his belongings and left perhaps maybe he met his wife when he went to Sodom could she have been a sodomite could she have been from Sodom we don 't know the Bible doesn't give us the indication and as we think about this unnamed woman listen sometimes she gets a bad reputation. She gets a bad reputation because everyone's talking about, yeah, don't be like Lot. She turned around and so on. However, in this scripture or in the entire Bible, I don't really get that picture that she was necessarily an evil woman. Listen, you can mention some names and you just your spine starts to shiver. I could mention Jezebel to you. And you know, listen, that woman wasn't one you wanted to pattern yourself after. That woman was wicked. She was controlling. She was evil. And she was just a generation. She wanted to kill the prophets of God. She was wicked. Delilah is another one. Seductionous, manipulative. Listen, nobody names their daughters after these women, except I remember one person. <laughs> And everything is happening, the, 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 the lady's pregnant, oh praise God, and she has a child, and y'all oh, praise God, How you know, you ask no questions, of how much did she weigh, you know, all this kind of stuff, did you have a home birth, did you have a water birth, all these wonderful questions you ask, and then you ask the question, well, what was her name? She said Delilah, I was like, oh, wait, wait, <laughs> I was like, um, are, you, do, are you sure, she said, yeah, Delilah, I was like, do you... <laughs> do you know who Delilah was and what she did and what she stood for? Do you, do you know? And she's like, yep, her name is Delilah. I was like, hey, praise God, I think. <laughs> right? But we don't get that from Lot's wife. I don't really pick that up from Lot's wife. She's not necessarily a, 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 an evil woman. We don't really get that picture from her. And I'm saying that because she could have easily been just like a normal person. And I'm saying that because Jesus is saying we should remember Lot's wife because he's saying that that could easily be you. She's not so far-fetched. She's like, oh, remember Jezebel. Hey, I'm never be like Jezebel. I'll never be. No, Lot's wife was just a normal woman. And all the men, I'm talking to you too. Listen, she was a normal person. So Jesus is saying, remember this person because it can easily be like you reminds me of when James said, listen, Elijah was a man of a nature like ours and he prayed and something happened and he, he prayed again and something else happened. Listen, he's saying these people had natures like us. Could it be that Jesus is saying, remember Lot's wife because the capability for her to do what she did, you have the same capability. The nature that she had runs through each of us as well. I, was, I believe Jesus is saying that because he wants you to identify with Lot's wife. Remember what you are capable of. Remember what you are capable of doing. Remember this woman because she has a nature that's just like ours. So this is why we should remember Lot's wife. This is who she was. Uh, she was married uh, to Lot, uh, Abraham's uh, uh, niece-in-law. So we know who she is now. Or we know a little bit about her. The Bible gives us indications. So what did she do? What did Lot's wife uh, do? In our text, it says in verse number 31, it says, In that day, he who was on the housetop uh, and his goods uh, are in his house, let him not come down to take them away. Likewise the one who is left in a field let him not turn back. And then Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Now we know this story when I spent when I st- Told you the title of the story, you probably understood what I'm saying or where I'm going with this. But if we go back into the account of Genesis, we know that God had prepared judgment for a city that was involved in all sorts of perversion, perverse acts, and so on. And God's wrath had enough. How many know that the wrath of God is not going to last with nonsense forever? Can you say amen in this place? There's gonna come a time where the wrath of God is gonna tip over, and this was it for this city, Sodom and and Gamal, the wrath of God came down on this city. It was prepared and they had a man of God, Abraham, who was interceding for that city and more specifically he was interceding for his nephew and his family and God in his grace and his mercy. I thank God for his amazing grace and his mercy. He always gives us another chance, always gives us. The only reason Jesus, I said this quite a lot, the only reason Jesus has not come back yet is because of his grace. There's more people that need to get saved. There's more people that need to stop messing around. If it's you, please fix your life up so Jesus can come back and we can go home. Amen but there's more people, it's the grace of God. So his amazing grace, his mercy, they sent warning. We know the angels came to this city and warned Lot and his family so much that they had to protect them to the point where he said, listen, you need to leave this city and you need to go. And there was lingering, the Bible says, they were just taking their sweet merry time when these angels said, listen, this place is about to burn. It's like, okay, let me just pick this up. Like me, when the fire alarm, to go get my car keys or get my iPad to the point where they had to take them by the hand and lead them out the city and they was going and we find in our te- or we find in the account Genesis chapter 19 verse number 26 familiar portion of scripture it says but his wife didn't even give her a name but his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt and sometimes we read that and think, oh, that's, that's far-fetched. That's, yeah, that is what it is. Uh, um, now, I don't know if this is true, uh, but I've got a picture. This is actually in Jordan facing the Dead Sea. Uh, um, uh, and People, there's actually signposted. It says Lot's wife. It's right there. You can see that. Where You can go to that place today. Uh, now, I don't know if that is actually Lot's wife or that was actually Lot's wife. I mean, uh, you know, whatever. But what it is, it gives us an indication. It gives us a picture to remember that this woman turned back. And the reason Jesus said, remembers Lot's wife is because he had an indictment against the woman. The fact that in the middle of salvation, the fact that when God's mercy and God's grace wanted to take her out of the trouble she found herself in, he wanted to lift her up to another level. He wanted to free her from bondage, free her from salvation, give her something new to look forward to. In the middle of that, as she's going, to destiny she looked back at her old life and that's the indictment that Jesus had against her and dare I say that's the indictment that Jesus still has amongst believers today he's taking you somewhere he's moving you somewhere you are progressing but some people looking back and there are problems with looking back There's problems with looking back. I want to look at a few problems. One of the problems is there is a loss of direction. You know, one of the things I've done, I've done many things in my life, but one of the things I've done, my wife calls me crazy for it, is that I got my motorcycle license. (laughs) I haven't bought a motorcycle and I probably won't because my wife would probably leave. But anyway, (laughs) and I love my wife. I don't want it to go nowhere. Amen. But I got my motorcycle license, amen. It was fun, it was great, it was exhilarating. But I remember one of the things, because it's quite hard to turn a motorcycle. I don't know if it's quite hard to turn in a short space of time. It's quite hard to do that. And I was having trouble just doing a full circle, like doing a U-turn, for example. Like if I had to try and turn in the road and do a U-turn, it's quite hard to do that. For those who've never tried, for those that have tried, you know what I'm saying. But the instructor told me something. He said, listen, the secret to this is all you've got to do is turn your face and the bike will follow you. In other words, he said... That where your face is, that's where you're going to end up going. And I took that, and it actually worked. So I was on the bike and I turned. And as I turned, just my body just kind of went with it. My bike just went wherever I was looking. And I thought about that when I was reading this scripture. The reason why it's such a problem saying, don't look back. Because where you are facing, you're going to end up going. Come on, so when the salvation of the Lord came to this woman and said, you're coming out of this place. That place is not for you. The bondage you have, the trouble you find yourself in, you're coming out of that place. The minute you start to look back, your body will start to turn. You'll start to head back to that place. You'll start to do the things you used to do. You'll start to say the things you used to say. You start to hang around with the people you used to hang around with. And all of a sudden, you find yourself back in the city you should be saved out of. When you move your, or when you change or when you look back, there is a loss of direction. We should be progressing in all that Jesus has for us, but people are looking back. And there's people, you need to leave back there. Can you say amen in this place? There's people in your life that are back there and so you need to leave, leave that alone. Don't be looking back. You need to go forward. There's places you used to be. There's situations you used to find yourself in. You need to look forward. Don't be looking back because the moment you look back at this place, you're halfway to going back. God calls us to go forward. There was a loss of direction. The next thing is there was a loss of focus. In 1954, there was a man by the name of Roger Bannister. He was an athlete. At um, and, and he became the first man in the world to run a mile in under four minutes. Now, if you think about that, you, just to put that into perspective, a normal track, just a normal uh, um, uh, athletics track is 400 meters. So the mile is um, uh, four laps of that track. And he ran four laps of that track in under four minutes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint a picture. That's, that's crazy. Can you say amen in this place? Listen, that is, if you've ever ran a track, you know, listen, four minutes, he ran it under four minutes. It was, it would never been done before. They actually said this was impossible. This can't be done. And he broke it. He ran it in, I think it was three minutes and 59 sec- 59.4 seconds. So just under four minutes. Uh, he was a hero, 1954. He was the first one to do it. It was amazing. Uh, problem is his uh, record only lasted a month. There was a man by the name of John Landy who came and, and beat that record and ran it in three minutes 57, just a month after. So after that, the rivalry began. He's like, there, there was a problem. There was a fight. It's like, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. And the rivalry began and it, you know, it kind of built up until they had a race later that same year together. And this one, John Landy, that beat the record up—you uh, know—he was favourite to win because he beat it with, so, with, with quite a large margin. He was favourite to win, and as they're running this mile, uh, he was out in front. The, the, the gun goes, he's out in front, and he led the race the whole uh, four laps or, or, or three and a half laps. And, and as he came to the last lap, uh, everyone was left behind him. But it's just this guy, Roger Bannister, the first person to break the record, was behind him. And as John Landy is running, he's doing his stride, he's looking to win the race, he's got a good stride, he's got a focus. What happened is he had something in him that just wanted to look back. And any of you athletes in the building, when you're running, the worst thing you can do is look back. That's the worst thing you can do. But he's running, he's running. He there was an urge, he says, as he writes his book, there's an urge. He just wanted to know where his opponent was. And as he was running, he thought, I just have to look. I just. And the moment he turned back, Roger Bannister passed him on the right. Can you imagine? Run your race, bro. If I was his coach, bro, run your race. Why are you looking back? The head, the finish line is in front of you. It's not behind you. That's the past. You've got something to achieve. You've got destiny in front of you and you're busy looking back. And the moment he looked back, he was overtaken in his right. It was so bad, they actually made a bronze statue of the both of them. And and he's looking like that and the other guy's running past him. So every time he walks past this stadium, he looks at this statue and he sees himself like this. Destiny was lost. The race was lost. Not because he wasn't fit, not because he wasn't good enough, because he looked back. Because when you look back, your focus is lost. The things you're pushing forward for, you can't see it anymore because you're looking at something else. You're scared about something. You're fearful of something. You're thinking, what if this person, forget the other people. We all have a race to run. Can you say amen in this place? We should be focused and saying, I'm going to push forward and go and do what God has called me to do. But sometimes we have this urge that wants to look back. Oh, if only I could get back. Or oh, what's happening to that person? Listen, that person, my ex, what's my ex doing nowadays? Nobody forget that, okay? Come on. The X reason. Come on now. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse number 62. No one, this is Jesus, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a powerful statement. Jesus is saying, if you're going to be in this kingdom, I need you to be focused. If you're going to have what I've called you to have, you're going to do what I've called you to do, I need you to be focused. There's something I want you to do. I have a destiny for you and I need you to be focused. Jesus said, anyone that begins this journey, but then looks back, listen, yeah, this, this kingdom ain't for you. Not fit for the kingdom. Look at this, Hebrews 10, verse number 38. Bible says, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone, if anyone draws back, My soul has no pleasure in Him. Think about that. Listen, yes, we live by faith. We believe this, we believe that. But the moment you start to withdraw or pull back or look back or long for the things back there, God says, my pleasure, I don't have no pleasure in that. There are things that are behind you that need to stay behind you. There are people that you have left back there in your past that need to remain back there in your past your focus needs to be ahead of you and i love it when paul says this in philippians 4:13 it says brethren i don't count myself to have apprehended but one thing i do Forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ. Listen, each and every one of you have an upward call in Jesus Christ. There is a goal, there is a reward waiting for you. All you need to do is be like Paul and push forward forward to that, press forward to the goal, forgetting the things that are behind you, because the moment you look back, you lose your focus on the prize that God has for you, the moment you look back listen, you lose destiny the moment you look back, things are lost, and Jesus is saying to you this afternoon that you need to remember Lot's wife because she didn't have that revelation she knew she was going somewhere, but she wanted to look back at where she came from, and that was led to her demise. Church, I want to tell you, don't lose your destiny by looking back. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. And the original Greek behind the word, remember, it also means to take heed or to learn a lesson from. In other words, learn a lesson from Lot's wife because destiny has always got to do with the future. Come on, what God has for you has always got to do with what is ahead of you. I always say that your best days are right ahead of you. Come on, wherever you are right now, preach the sermon called Another Level. Wherever you are right now, there is something else for you. There is progression for you. Whatever you are doing, the best days in your life are yet to come. Oh, we just celebrated 19 years of marriage, but how many know the best days of marriage are still ahead? Can you say about in this place? Come on, God is good and we need to understand that when we give up the prison, we're able to secure a future with him. The story could have ended different with Lot's wife. Who knows, we could have perhaps learned her name. But because she looked back, she lost destiny. And now all we've got is some statue in Jordan overlooking the, 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 the Dead Sea. That's what we've got, and a signpost that said, oh yeah, Lot's wife, (laughs) right there. (laughs) Can you imagine? What I want to point out about Lot's wife is that the first place she turned was not in her physical body. The first place she turned was in her heart. Mm. Some of you may be looking forward right now. You're looking at me, amen, you're all smiling, all looking good. (laughs) But in your heart, you've turned back. The first place she turned was in her heart. And as I say that, I'm reminded of what Jesus said. He said that where your treasure is, your heart's going to be in the same place. Now, again, I don't want to kind of paint out this evil woman. You've got to think, paint the picture. Think about this woman Listen, my wife. God bless her. She's a homemaker. She wants to. She loves that. She loves just making a house a home. I love it. I love it because I can go not just to a physical builder. I can go to a home. But I say that to say that that she puts a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in that home. She's, she's, she's built a lot of things there. And I, I remembered, you know, when she when we answered the call to preach the gospel and come to Hull, I, I was okay because I've moved around. I was born in London, moved to Derby, now moved to Hull. Derby was her only place she's ever lived. And for me to say, listen, we're leaving that, let's go. It's not that easy just to say, okay, gone, I'm gone. She spent her whole life in this place. Think of Lot's wife. She had children. She had Those children were married there. Maybe if she was born in Sodom, she had family there how many know maybe she spent a lot of time making that house nice and lovely she got that rug just where she wanted it come on she got the picture of the family just in the hallways you enter in maybe she had a dance class she used to go to every weekend come on maybe she had friends she used to visit in that place and when God is saying this I want you to come something was there she started to say, I just want to realize and what you got to understand what she did what many of us do is we tie ourselves down to this world Listen, we spend a lot of time doing worldly things. I'm not so super spiritual that I say, I don't do anything worldly, nothing at all. I don't work a job, I don't do that. I don't, I'm, just, I'm just there, me and Jesus. No, 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 we spend a lot of time doing some worldly, if we, if we admit it, we spend a lot of time doing some worldly things. I don't mean carnal things, like sinful things. I mean worldly things, as in like, you know, you know saving up to buy for a house. Listen, that's worldly. How I many know, when you die and you go to heaven, that house is not gonna go with you. That's worldly, we spend a lot of time amassing things and going places, uh, connecting. That, that's worldly. So, as we do that, there can be a temptation to have a connection, a stronger than is needed connection to the things of the world, to the point of that. And I want to remind us that, that although we are here, how many know we are foreigners in this world? We are sojourners in this world, the Bible says, and the Bible says he who loves the world is an enmity with God. The love of the Father is not in Him. If we love the world, it's okay to have these things. But listen, when the fire alarm is going, you need to understand, I need to drop these things because there is a higher calling and a higher purpose. There are many things that we need to drop, that have this hold, that have this grip on us. And we need to understand, listen, God has called us to something beautiful, something more desirable. We need to understand this in life preservation. That's the last point I want to look at, life preservation. Well, where's the application here? We're well, going back to the fire alarm or the fire evacuation. Why did I go and get my stuff? The reason was because I wasn't willing to let them go. Are there things in this world that you're just not willing to let go? Are there things in this world that have so tied you down that you're not willing to do the will of God? Are there things in this world that has kept you? And or will keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 6, verse number 19. says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor, uh, nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart is also you know, some of us are living this life as if this is all there is. Some people are living your life as if there's nothing else after this. There's nothing else greater than this. And as I was thinking about this, I'm reminded of uh, Sister Kedma's testimony. Amen. God bless you. Um, uh, it's, uh, it was a blessing. And for those of you that didn't hear Sister Kedma's testimony um, and, uh, and Stu, they've been fighting for years She's a Brazilian. She was born Brazilian. Um, uh, they got married, um, and he had to sponsor her. Uh, and they went through years, at least seven years. It took seven years, alright. right? Seven years it took. But she came here and testified that through all the thick and thin, they've got a whole story. They're going to write a book. It's going to be about this thick. Amen. They've got whole stories of ups and downs and so on. But she came, she took this microphone, stood in this pulpit, and she went into her pocket and reached out a British passport. And she said, God has done it. I am a citizen of this country. Now, I find that greatest praise God. It's a blessing and so on. But how many know it doesn't end there? That's good, praise God. But look at Philippians 3, verse number 20. It says, Our citizenship is in heaven. Come on. From which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm a British citizen. And now so is Kedma. But listen, what supersedes my British passport is my passport in heaven. Can you say amen in this place? That I know that I'm going to a place. I know that this place here is just like a hotel for me. This place is just a place I'm chilling out until I go home. So I'm gonna do some things to make my ride a little bit more comfortable here, yes. But I'm not gonna be tied to this place. I'm not gonna be tied to the things of this world because there's a place that I'm going. And you best believe when I hear the fire alarm go. I'm going to drop everything in an instant and go to be with my Saviour. How can this world have such a pull that you would turn back when Jesus is ahead of you? Come on, what can be more valuable than your Saviour of the universe coming when He lands on the Mount of Olives? Would people be there waiting or would people be looking back at what they think they have lost? The reason why Jesus said, remember Lot's wife is because she thought the things that she had in this world would outweigh all that God has for her can I tell you this morning that all that God has for you oh would outweigh a million times to one the things that you have on this earth don't let anything in this world steal your destiny don't let anyone in this world steal what God has for you there is a tendency to look back but you need to remember yes we are in this world but how many know we are not of this world can you say man in this place there's a famous, there's famous words, famous song, and there's different stories to how this song began, and you, could, you can research it. Some of the stories are actually fascinating, and I don't know which one is true, uh, but the famous words are famous nonetheless, and the words are so powerful, uh, and it says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And it says, the world behind me, the cross is before me. No turning back. Now I've said that to say this. I believe Jesus wants us to be reminded of Lot's wife, this unnamed woman. Because sometimes there is a tendency when God has called us up, we want to look down. There's a tendency when God has called us to do something or to let go of something that we want to try and hold up. But we need to understand, we need to remember, we don't want to look back because the destiny that he has for us, the salvation that he has for us, the redemption he has for us is all found ahead of us. We want to go forward. We don't want to look back. Like I said, it it starts in your heart. Let's turn our hearts. There's a song, I'm coming back. To the heart of worship because it's all about you there's so many things that want to seek to take us away from what Jesus has for us church we need to be reminded of Lot's wife let's bow our heads let's close our eyes in this place remembering Lot's wife